Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you at this time that we can sing those words. Lord God, these are so much more than just a Christmas carol. Heavenly Father, we just pray that as we enter this season of December, we enter this Christmas season, Lord God, that the light will shine from us, the questions will be asked, that our neighbours will ask us questions of what are these carols we're singing. Lord God, that, that we will have opportunities to invite people to come to a hearer's service, Lord God. And that as we do, the seeds will be sown and the harvest will be white hot, Lord God. And that you will come in and you will just, just reap, Lord God, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Fantastic. Thank you, worship team. And thank you, Aiden. Awesome. Fantastic. Do you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to speak for no more than 18 minutes this morning. <laughs> Love that. Love that when it comes from a pastor's son over there. Well done. Thanks, Tyrone. I'm going to speak for no more than 18 minutes this morning, and there, although there is no direct uh, empirical evidence to actually support this, there was a recent study that came out of the Chicago Medical School that noted that the consensus is that uh, 15 to 18 minutes is the sweet range where you keep people's attention and help them retain content. Now, I'm not going to stick to that promise every week. Because there's an important thing that we do when we get up here to preach. We're not about downloading information. We're about facilitating transformation. And sometimes God will work it a little bit longer. And sometimes it'll be a little bit shorter. But what it is, it's about coming in with a heart that's ready. It's about coming in prepared. It's not getting at 20 past 10 and going, yeah, beauty, I miss the music because it really kind of, it's not my thing anyway. Oh, actually, I'm going to walk out during the offering because, you know, that way I don't have to give and I'm going to the toilet and it kind of, you know, it's my way of saying I didn't have to give today. It's about coming ready, about coming prepared. It's about coming front foot and saying, you know what, I've made the effort to get to church, so I'm going to switch on and I'm going to be here. I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about other churches. It doesn't happen here. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture from John chapter 4, verse 34 to 35. It says this, it'll come up on the screens. It says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Other translations will say it's four months between planting and sowing. I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. The title of my mini message or my sermonette today is The Harvest is Here. The Harvest is Here. For those who are relatively new to C3 Hobart, the vision of our church is to reach people on a journey of faith and to build strong followers of Christ which is 
actually a statement of faith based on the very teachings of Jesus, where he said to his disciples, go into all the nations, telling them of what I've done, teach them of my ways and baptize them in the name of my Father. Or in Acts, where, he, where just before he's taken up to heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, when I go, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And then he said this to them, don't waste this gift. It's a gift. We're coming into Christmas. It's a gift. Have you ever got those gifts from grandma? Yeah? Yeah? Hankies again? Yeah? Or that gift where you're putting on that smile going, awesome, so good. I wanted another $10 voucher from Dimmicks. Awesome. Sorry to all the readers out there. Don't give me a $10 voucher from Dimmicks. Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Don't waste it. I'm giving you a gift. And then he went on to say this. All his disciples were sitting around and he went on to say, with this gift I give you that is present here today, reach out. Reach out. Without hitting the person next to you, everybody just reach out. This is kind of a Simon says. Reach out. Jesus said to his disciples, reach out with the gift I've given you and share the good news about what I have done to those in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and even in Samaria. Everyone say Samaria. Let's say it again, Samaria. To give some perspective, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Seriously. Earlier in this same text, we're not going to have time because I'm down to about 11 minutes now. But in, earlier in this text, we read that Jesus, who was a Jew, had to detour. It said the words, had to detour to Samaria, the place we've just talked about, and it wasn't because of Hazel Brothers' roadworks. This is, really, this is a really important point to get this. It said earlier in this text, I want you to get this. Jesus, the Jew, who hated, they hated the Samaritans, not Jesus, but in general, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans so much. They kind of you know, sat one side and the other, didn't talk to each other, these sort of things here. It says earlier in the verses, it said, Jesus had to detour to Samaria. Well, if you don't like them, you don't have to detour there, do you? He went on the road less traveled. Can I tell you why he had to detour there? Because in the core of Jesus, right in the heart of here, is people. That's why he had to do it. He had to do it not because of the roadworks, not because it was the easiest route to get to where he wanted to get to. He had to do it because everything inside of him said, I'm not hating these people, I'm loving these people, and they need to know about my Father in heaven. So he had to go there. Samaria and the town we're going to talk about, that we talked about in these two verses at the start was a place outside of Shechem called Sychar. And the people there, if we read through the scriptures and the commentaries, what was spoken over them was certainly not life. In fact, there was hatred. 
The people were beaten down. The people were broken. The people were barren. The people were socially isolated and bereft of God. Now, I don't want to gloss over this point because the actual scene of this, where it is in Sychar, which is where Jacob's well was, the community there did not know about God. Everybody else was kind of, that's where you throw stones and say, don't worry about them. They're a place down there that we're not interested in. Don't worry about them. One day the generation will come and they'll just wipe themselves off the map. We're not interested in those people. They're down there. They're down there and we don't, we're not really worried about them because we're doing okay up here in Jerusalem. Oh man, how am I going to get to 18 minutes? The point is this, what others saw as barren and broken, Jesus saw as bursting with fruit. So that's why he had to go there. Because he didn't see broken and barrenness, he saw a place that was bursting with fruit and a harvest that was ready. The story goes that Jesus stopped at a well, he transforms the life of one person, a woman at a well. An outcast woman at a well. An outcast woman at a well that had five husbands and was probably not a great person. An outcast woman from a well who had had five husbands was getting the water in the absolute hottest part of the day by herself. Let me tell you, ladies, it was a bit of a social gathering when the ladies all went there and got their water from the well, yet she was by herself. You want to talk about barren, broken, and and, and isolated people? This was one of them. It is no coincidence that that's a person Jesus gets to. It's no coincidence that Jesus had to go there and he just happened to meet this lady there. So he meets this one who is broken, beaten, and barren, this lady there. And let me tell you what happens with this one lady there. Later on, we will read that by using one lady, started a revival in that town. Started a little revival happening in that town. In a broken place that was 40 k's down the road, 37 actually, that's been spoken over, that has... Youth unemployment, highest in the state. The teacher turnover in the schools, 37 kilometres south of here, is the highest in the state. Less than one year, teachers on average last there. Less than one school year. Drug problems, it's the second highest in the state. They don't own the title of that one. It's the lowest socioeconomic area, as in receiving money, out of any of the municipalities. It's broken. It's busted. It's beaten. Jerusalem could cast stones and say, don't go there. Go around there. Jerusalem said, don't go into Shechem. Don't go into that place because they'll just go away. They're okay. Just let them leave to themselves. Jesus said, I had to go there. I had to go there. Martin Luther King Jr. was speaking to a university gathering when right towards the end of the night, a young woman who was in the crowd asked him, why do you risk your reputation 
criticism and personal cost to do what you do for a people nobody seems to care for. To which King Jr. responded, when seeing a man who has obviously needed the services of others, the priest and the Levite asked the question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But when the Samaritan man, the man from Samaria, was confronted with the same situation, his response was, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? It's almost like we are programmed in our life to think what will happen to me when Jesus said what will happen to them. Earlier this year, Morella and I sought clarity around the vision of reaching out and building disciples. And what he showed us was three very clear foundational pillars. They're over there on my left, on your right. We are a church that serves others, empowers people, and takes ground in the name of Jesus Christ. And it was this pillar that was so clear, yet so challenging for us as we prayed into this. Because we felt that God said in order to reach into communities, we need a mindset like the Samaritan. Who's going to say, it's not what happens to us, it's if we don't go, what will happen to them? In the vision that Morella and I had, we saw a harvest of fruit hanging on trees. They were apples. All sizes, colors, shapes. I saw these different maturity in the apples down there. Some were small and a little bit sour. Some were big and a little bit flowery. And others were the perfect shaped and really good. It was as though God was downloading those two particular verses from John chapter 4. And he said, stop looking for the food that is easy to fill your belly and start going to the places where we can reap the harvest. I wrote in my journal in February this year, and I just put the words, open your eyes, Sean. Stop looking for the easy food. The harvest is here. So this brings us to the little place of fertile land, 37 kilometers south from here, called the Huon Valley. The first inclination was to say, God... We're filling our bellies okay here in South Hobart, thank you very much. Seats are full, food's pretty good. Our bellies are pretty good. The food is great. And part of me even said, that's a distraction. Because if we get distracted by having to detour into Samaria... What about the food in our bellies here, Jesus? I got rebuked big time. I fasted for three days. That's a good way to rebuke you when you're feeling full. It was no coincidence that when the Samaritan woman was confronted with the very same situation, sorry, the Samaritan was confronted with the very same situation, his response wasn't, I'm doing okay, thanks. I'll just keep walking on like the priest and the Levite. He said, if I do not stop to help, what will happen to them? It's part of our vision to take ground. As a church, we are going to be setting up a campus right in the heart of the Huon Valley in Huonville. A campus means that it is part of us. It's part of C3 Hobart. 
It's us. It smells like us. It tastes like us. It has our culture. It will have the same format that we do. The vision will be the same because when there's more than one vision, it is division. But God has been really clear to us to say, do you know what? I'll bless you here. You'll fill your bellies. Don't worry about that. But we've got to detour off to the people that have been, had stones thrown at them, told them they're no good, and, and we've got to get down there and we've got to lift them up. For the past six months, I said to the team when we first released this, we're going to do nothing until we birth this in prayer. And for six months, every second week, we've been going down to the Huon Valley and they've been coming here and we have seen this momentum change happening in that place. We have some people here from the Huon Valley today. Thank you for coming. On the very first prayer service down there, we had 61 people praying in the park. It's kind of a little bit awkward, to be honest. God is doing something south of here. No longer will that place be a place that people detour. It's going to be a place that I, can, I truly believe in a generation to come will be known as a Bible Belt of Tasmania. Who's with me in believing this? That we can step forward into a place that people have detoured for years and spoken poorly of and that it can be the new Bible Belt of Tasmania. One woman was spoken to at a well and a revival happened in a town. One woman who was broken, barren and beaten and a revival happened in that town. It's going to take one person down there. It might take one little church to join alongside the great ones that are already there. It might be that one extra jigsaw piece that says, do you know what? Jump on board and we're going to turn this place around for Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to uh, play a video and then we're going to do something a little bit different here. There's about 350 people in the room here today. We're going to do something a little bit different here. I said a moment ago, we birthed this thing in prayer. We're going to get our bellies that are full sitting here with beautiful worship. Okay, preaching. And we're going to physically stand up at the end of this video, every one of us, and we're going to move out to the lawn. And for a few minutes, together as a church here at C3 Hobart, man, woman, and child, except for your children that are already in C3 Kids, they are staying there. They are well looked after. We can't register them out. It would be a nightmare. Man, woman, and child that is in here, together, we're going to march forward to the lawn. And for a few moments, we're going to pray for the Huon Valley. Together. We're going to get off our comfy chairs in a minute. We're going to get off our comfy chairs. And there's nothing wrong with this. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jesus had to detour to speak to one person. And in verse 29, it said this. Many Samaritans, outcasts, broken people, from the village, believed in Jesus 
because of what one woman had shared. A revival happened in a Samaritan town that nobody was supposed to care about. A revival is going to happen in the Huon Valley. People, the harvest is here. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.